Hi, it's Joseph Loftas. I'm a farmer from Paradise, Utah, and I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico today for a seed conference. They brought me down here to tell about landrace seed growing. And basically a landrace growing is, instead of being focused on keeping things pure and isolated and separate, landrace growing is about having things whole and cross-pollinating and interacting with each other. Not only interacting with the, the plants themselves interacting, but the plants interacting with the bugs, the soil, the weather, the farmer, the social network that the farmer lives in. So the, a landrace plant becomes an integral part of the community. And it has a lot of genetic diversity in, so as the weather changes, as the bugs changes from year to year and from decade to decade, the plants have enough genetic diversity in them that they can change with the weather. They can change with the, the new pests that are coming along. As, as the culture of the area changes, the plants can adapt. I first became aware of the concept of landrace gardening when I grew a variety of corn called Astronomy Domine. And how that came about is a farmer in Pekin, Indiana, named Alan Bishop, grew about 170 varieties of corn in his field, which was basically every variety of heirloom sweet corn and hybrid sweet corn that he could get his hands on. And he let them all promiscuously cross-pollinate in his field. And I got some of that seed from him. And it was beautiful because the corn was yellow and white and red and blue. Just a beautiful corn. And when I planted it in my garden, some of them just, they thrive. They, they outgrew the, the commercial sweet corn that I'd been growing for, well, as long as my family can remember. And, and, and of course, some of them did bad too. But I saved the seeds from the one that did good and that has went on to become my favorite sweet corn in the whole world because it the taste works for me and it grows perfectly on my farm um, it doesn't have troubles with bugs or diseases um, i planted in a field one time when it had problems with skunks and raccoons but some of the plants thrived in spite of the skunks and raccoons and so i I saved the seeds from the ones that that were resistant and now I don't have problems with skunks or raccoons in my field. And that idea of locally adapting seeds to my taste buds, to my climate, really resonated with me. And it, it seemed like it's the tr traditional way that food has been grown since time immemorial. And so I decided that I was going to do that and convert every variety that I grow into a land race that was customized to me, my people, my farm, my bugs. And so the first crop that I started to work working on with that was cantaloupes. Yeah. So I gathered together cantaloupe seed. 
I gathered cantaloupe seed from my local farmer's market, from the grocery store, from the every seed catalog that would sell me cantaloupes. I planted hybrids, I planted heirlooms, just whatever cantaloupes I could get my hands on. And I planted them all in a field. I didn't put labels on them or nothing. I was just growing cantaloupes. And the first year that I grew cantaloupes, there was like every fruit that I harvested was green. And about 90% of the plants didn't even produce a fruit. And I had planted cantaloupes that were supposed to go get to 20 pounds in size. And I'd planted little ones and big ones and just anything I could get my hands on. And so I saved the green seeds. They were, the fruits were, were mature enough to have viable seeds, but they weren't mature enough to taste good or to be edible. But I still replanted those seeds. And the second year, I had a, f a few plants that produced more fruits than all of the rest of the patch combined. And they were, and they got mature before my, my first frost. So I had ripe cantaloupes in my garden. I repeated the process of saving the seeds and replanting those. The third year that I replanted the can or that I planted cantaloupe seeds, I got bushels and bushels and bushels of cantaloupes. And, and they were all about three pounds to five pounds because that's a nice little size that can, can mature in my garden. And the other thing that, I, that happened along the way, which I didn't really intend, is I was tasting each cantaloupe fruit before I saved seeds from it. And if a cantaloupe didn't taste good, I just didn't save the seeds from it. And before I knew it, my cantaloupes were sweet and they were smelly and and they just brought joy to me when I ate them so I started taking those to the farmers market and people would see them sitting on the table and they would say to me I don't like cantaloupe and and I was just I just didn't know what to think about that and I realized when I went to a restaurant that what I was growing in my field was not the same product that you can buy in a grocery store that they're calling cantaloupe because they were hard, they didn't have flavor, they didn't have odor. And I decided that I needed a new name for what I was growing. So I started calling them muskmelons because that name just brings odor into the into the picture and so these days i grow muskmelons and take to the farmer's market and my community loves them because they love the smell and the taste and and so after i had had such glorious success with the cantaloupes and the sweet corn I determined that I was going to convert every single crop that I grow 
into a locally adapted land race that is adapted to the way that I do things, the way that my, the tastes that my people like, that are, are totally connected to our, our growing conditions, our climate. And so to do that, I started buying packets of seeds and trialing new varieties. And I, the way I would do a trial is I would plant whatever I could get. Um, sometimes it might be two or three different varieties. Let them grow together. Anything that produced seeds, I'd save the seeds from. I'd let them promiscuously pollinate. And what I found by doing that was within two or three years, sometimes in a single growing season, the the plants would immediately tell me what likes growing in my climate. And, and so today my crops are reliable. I know that if I, if I plant a crop, it's going to produce a harvest. Whether it's a rainy year or a dry year, whether the monsoon winds blow the, the pests in from down south, I'm still going to get a harvest because there's so much genetic diversity in what I'm growing that some plant or some family or other within my within my crops is going to be able to handle those changing growing conditions. And so my my total yield in a good year might not be as high as if I had planted a, a known variety, but in an average year for average conditions I always get a harvest and it's always reliable and and that's that's been beautiful for me to know that I can count on my crops um, another way that my crops have become locally adapted is that I'm very bad at weeding uh, and my garden is a I grow weeds with a few vegetables that are in my garden and a few years ago, I decided that I was going to select for plants that grow in spite of the weeds. And, and so I, for example, with carrots, I grew a carrot crop with zero weeding the whole growing season. And the crop did really bad. But some of the plants survived. Some of them produced... Um, edible food. And so I took those survivors and replanted them the next year. Well, it was their carrots, so it takes two years, but um, so I replanted them and they thrived and they outcompeted my weeds. And so instead of a carrot being a six inch tall plant, my carrots are two feet tall. And they're, they have bold leaves and they, they outcompete my weeds. And that's a beautiful thing because it relieves me of a burden of, of weeding if the plants can take care of that themselves. And so that, and so that's one way that the plants have become locally adapted to the farmer to the farmer's habits, to the farmer's way of doing things. And 
when I look at when I look at other farmers and the way that they grow things, I think a lot of potential exists for them to grow things, to grow seeds from the same methods that they use to do their production. For example, if they're if they're growing on plastic, that they should plant seeds that were also grown on plastic so that the plants become locally adapted to whatever the habits of the farmer are.